Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome aboard, Eagles fans, to episode three of the No Huddle Show here on NJ.com. You can also find us on iTunes, on Stitcher. I'm Joe Gillian. With me, as always, uh, we have Elliot Shore-Parks. Elliot, how are you, bud? Doing good. Excited for uh, another episode. I, we are, too. I mean, we're all excited here as we have a game to talk about. Mark Echo is also with us. Mark, how are you? I'm great. I'm getting ready for that, that big celebration. Eagles are 1-0. 1-0, oh. <laughs> indeed. 36-10 victory. On Sunday afternoon at Lincoln Financial Field, they take down Colts team uh, that they played against there. And, you know, you watch this game, Elliot, and the first topic we have to touch on here, of course, has to be the quarterbacks and has to be how the quarterbacks play towards the end of the game, specifically Tim Tebow, who became a trending topic on Twitter and became a a national story once again in his first action uh, as a Philadelphia Eagle. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was was talking to a reporter yesterday, and, in terms of just the intrigue and the feeling of when he go, he went in the game in the press box. The only thing I can compare it to is when I was at the uh, the Chip Kelly's first game against the Redskins. Just in terms of people didn't know what to expect, but everyone was definitely interested in the, what what was going to happen. Um, you know, I, I watched him obviously yesterday, and I rewatched the game today. And you know, I th- I thought he played well. He showed off his, his athleticism with the touchdown run. He didn't turn the ball over, which is huge. Um, you know, he didn't go deep with the ball very often, but he didn't do anything. He, there were ne- no negatives, I thought, especially considering how poor the offensive line played in front of him. Mark, your thoughts on Tim yesterday. I mean, I knew you've been a Tim supporter the whole time here. He went in really? there yesterday, last, last quarterback to go, um, and he clearly made an impact, and everyone was talking about the fact that maybe his arm looked a little bit better, the motion. Your thoughts on Tebow the first time we get to see him you know, on, in a game as an Eagle? Yeah, I think that was the most important thing was, and that's what and that's what Chip Kelly pointed out after the game was I, when he said I I liked the way Timmy threw the ball. He did. He threw. You saw a different motion. You saw he looked better throwing it. Uh, if there was a negative, Elliot said there were no negatives. If there was, he did hold the ball a little too long a couple times. But again, um, his head coach and the guy that's going to be. Um, picking the roster made it made it clear that the, on those plays it, it was because the young wide receivers that he was out there with you know ran the wrong routes you know he was expecting a, a shallow cross and he goes to throw it to where the guy's supposed to be the guy's not there what's he supposed to do so he's trying to he bide his time and make something else happen and he's playing behind five guys that are going to be either teaching high school or <laughs> selling insurance next week so I mean, it was it, it it wasn't the best circumstance for him. I'd like I hope next week and and if 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 this is going to be a fair competition, I hope next week when when the Eagles play the Baltimore Ravens, 
that Tebow goes in a little earlier and then Barkley comes in in the fourth quarter. See, my, my counter, though, to the whole I, – I, I agree, through training camp, I think there has definitely been times where he holds the ball too long. Um, and even in some of the seven-on-seven seven drills where really there's no excuse for the quarterback to ever not attempt to pass. But there are times where he, he does hold it. There's no denying that. But the counter I would make, and not to sound like a Tebow apologist, is that's why he doesn't that's turn – I mean, you saw yesterday he didn't put the ball in harm's way very often. Barkley had the interception. He almost had another one picked off. Um, he threw a ball down the sideline to Nelson Aguilar that was a 50-50 ball, and if there was a starting caliber cornerback uh, in there, might have been picked off. So Barkley is not very careful with the ball. So although Tebow holds it a long time, you know, he threw the ball away a few times, and other times he just ran it. He, he's much safer with the ball, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And that's Barkley's problem. I mean – the major negative, the major flaw in Matt Barkley's game is he turns it over. I mean, have we seen him play a game where he hasn't turned it over? Uh, I'm, I mean, both of his regular season games, he was he was dreadful turning it over. Right. Again, yesterday in a game where he's trying to win. Matt Barkley's playing for two things. He's playing to beat out Tebow, but he's also playing in case he doesn't beat out Tebow, which I don't think we, Elliot, you and I agree that he's not going to. Right. He's trying to put something on, on tape to let – you know, the New York Jets or the Seattle Seahawks or whoever say, hey, you know what, we might bring this guy in here. If he's yeah. turning over, he's going to be with the Edmonton Eskimos. <laughs> and I think that's why he played so much yesterday. Um, and he looked good. I mean, you know, I think Tebow brings more to the rosters, which we've talked about. But in terms of just what Barkley showed yesterday, I mean, he had the one really nice throw to Jordan Matthews. That's a throw I'm not so sure Tebow can make just in terms of the touch and the timing and all that. Um, so he did put some good things on tape yesterday, but again, it's it's the turnovers. Yesterday, Chip, after the game, was talking about Tim Tebow, and you know, like Mark just said there, he talked about how you know Tebow had to play with a different set of guys in front of him, and he had to play with receivers maybe running the wrong routes. Here's Chip Kelly yesterday after the game on what Tim Tebow went through and how impressed he was uh, with the player and the first game back here after a year off in the NFL. There's a couple of those where Timmy held the ball, and it looks like, why is he doing that? Well, the receiver in the wrong route. You know, he's looking for a receiver to run a shallow cross. We didn't get any shallow cross, so, you know, we don't we don't get that a lot in training sessions where if the receiver doesn't run the right route, now what do we do? So there, there were a couple of us out there. We have some young receivers that we, we think are going to be good, but we, the three of those guys just got here about a week ago, so there, there were a couple of mental mistakes, um, whether it was up front or, or uh, at the receiver's button. I liked how Timmy threw it. You know, I thought, you know, that's the big concern with – Everybody coming in is is has he really changed? And I think is uh, he's sequencing better. You know, he, he's he's got his feet underneath him, and when guys ran the right routes and he had an opportunity to throw the football, I thought he threw the ball really well. So guys, off of that, and off of what Chip Kelly had to say after the game, I mean, it just seems like he likes this guy. It seems like he he was impressed yesterday, impressed on Sunday with what Tim Tebow brought to the table. And moving forward here, I mean, look, Barkley played first. Tebow played after that. Do you think when we get to Saturday's game coming up against the Ravens, it could be flip-flop that we see Tebow before Barkley, Elliott? You know, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't see if, in my opinion, the Eagles, and this is just my opinion, the Eagles have made their mind up about keeping Tebow. I mean, they tried to trade Barkley in the offseason. They didn't get any, any takers. Maybe his value increases a little bit, but it's not going to increase from the bench. I mean, it benefits them more to have Barkley out there. I mean, Tebow, even if he makes the team, is never going to be a 30, 35-time pass attempt quarterback in this offense. I mean, if for whatever reason it got to the point where Tebow was going to have to play, maybe one or two games, but I think they would bring it a long-term. 
uh, you know, so maybe someone off the street or something like that. But so in terms of playing Tebow, I don't, I don't see an advantage of having him out there for a second quarter with the second string offense. Um, I think you're better off putting Barkley out there, having having him play well, and then ideally being able to flip him. No, I, I disagree somewhat. I think you want to see Tebow with some better people, just as so he a, a so he's not running for his life again. Number one, number two, I, it's it, this rotation this week is going to be interesting because um, there was a guy that didn't play last week. You know, a guy named uh, I think his name's Bradford. The Bradford, Sam Bradford. <laughs> yeah, I've um, heard of him, Mark. I've heard of that guy before. I think, yeah. I think he paid him like twelve point nine million this year. So um, he's hopefully, and I won't say he's going to be out there until they tell me he's going to be out there, but hopefully he's going to play at least a quarter or a quarter and a half, maybe a half next week. Yeah. Um, does Sanchez maybe not play next week? Have you seen enough of Sanchez to know what – that's what I think might happen. I think Sanchez might get, a, might get a week off. Well, that's an interesting point. That's something you brought up. I think we talked about this a week or two ago. Like Sanchez, what what benefit does he have in being out there? But on the flip side, he didn't look very good yesterday. I mean, obviously the talk is of Tebow and uh, and Barkley, but I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about Sanchez. But he missed some very easy throws um, and just didn't look very sharp. So maybe it's worth having him out there. But that that's a, a interesting question too. How how much does Bradford play next week? I mean, you have the third game coming up against the Packers, where you know ideally he plays at least a half, if not maybe into third the quarter. Third yeah. quarter. So. How much do you want him to play against the Ravens? At least a quarter, maybe maybe a half? I mean, because he's not going to play in the fourth game. So you're talking about him going into week one, having not played all last year or half the prior season with only, you know, less than four quarters of live football. Um, so I don't know how you balance. It's a tough situation because you want to balance him getting reps. You want to balance protecting him like he is any other starter. And then obviously the, you know, the key fact that he – you know, it's Sam Bradford, so he, he could get hurt at any minute. I would play him at least. I, I mean, I would go in my, if you know, my game plan would would be he's playing the first quarter next week. He's definitely playing the first quarter. We'll see how that goes, depending on how many plays he runs in the first quarter. If it's, you know, if they, if they're up, if, if he looks great in the first quarter and the Eagles are up 14 nothing, all right, then maybe you, you give him the, the rest of the night off and then you, then you can split it up however you want after that. But, you know, if things aren't going so so well and, and they didn't run a lot of plays, maybe give them a little bit of the second quarter too. Or, you know, if, if a drive ends – and I'm sorry, if, not, if, the, if the quarter ends in the middle of a drive – and by the way, that's the first time in 30 years of covering football I ever saw a quarterback come out in the middle of a drive like Andrew Luck did yesterday. Yeah, that was weird. I never – unless I mean, other than a guy getting hurt, I never saw it, even in preseason. A guy coming out—that that was that—that that still baffles me a little bit. But I guess he was on a, a really—he was talking about a pitch count. I guess he was really on one. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, if the drive ends, quarter ends, let let Bradford finish that drive. He has to play a minimum of a quarter next week, though, right? Well, the the issue is if he plays, if he plays, and you know, what if he doesn't play well? Then let's say he plays a quarter against the Ravens. He doesn't look super sharp. He plays a little bit against the Packers. You know, a half against Packers or whatever. I mean, can you throw this guy out there in week one? If especially if Sanchez improves, can you throw this guy out there in week one, having only played three quarters and not looking very well? I mean, I guess you have to at this point. It's it's a mute point because he's going to start week one if he's healthy. But I mean, if he doesn't play well, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Well, that's why. May, I mean, we all assume because it's the way it's been done by everyone in the league that you know he he won't play week four preseason week four against the Jets. This is Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly does things his way. If yeah. Bradford doesn't play well against 
Baltimore and Green Bay, he may be out there week four against the Jets just, just to get him some more work. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, they have to get him as much work as they think he needs to be ready for that first game. And, I mean, as you look look what happened on Sunday, you know, Sanchez looked out of it. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't close to what he was completion percentage-wise last year. He just was a little bit off. In terms of a rhythm, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, just think of look we saw from Nelson Aguilar on Sunday. He had a nice catch on the sideline, saving what was, you know, pretty much an errant pass from Mark Sanchez. I mean, in terms of the rhythm that you think Bradford has to get in to get ready for the regular season with these players, one, were you guys surprised that Chip made the call he made to not play him against the Colts? And then two, I mean, how concerned are you of game rhythm compared to practice rhythm? Because everyone has said, including you guys, he's looked pretty good in practice. I mean, how do you marry those two things? We'll start with Mark on this one. That's a good question, Joe. I mean, and Chip says it all the time. It's all, especially for the quarterbacks, it's all about what you do in the games. He, he uses the term, they have, you know, they have to take the red shirts off because, you know, in practice they wear the red shirt means that they can't be hit. And that's what quarterbacking is all about. A, a bad quarterback looks a lot better. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not saying any of these guys are bad, but a bad quarterback would, looks so much better knowing that he's not going to get hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's the quarterback's worry when he's in the pocket. The rush is coming. I got to get rid of it. I got to do this. If he knows he's fine and they're not allowed to hit him, it makes, it, it makes his job a lot easier. So game versus practice is big. I was surprised. I was very surprised last week when um, – when Chip came out and told us that Sam would not play, um, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to kill him about it. I mean, he, he had his reasons, but I, and again, I, I asked a follow up that day: Will he play? You know, I, will he play more in other games now to make up for not playing this? But Chip said, "We, you know, we haven't really gone that far yet. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes." And my, in my opinion, in my mind, like Elliot was saying, for for him to be ready for the Atlanta Falcons. On Monday Night Football, I think he needs to play at least a, a, the equivalent of, of a full game or more. Yeah, and the, the interesting part about the decision was up until that point, you'd almost gotten to the point with Bradford where you weren't talking about his health, which is crazy to think. I mean, he was looking great in practice. He was out there every day. He wasn't running the ball a ton, but that's never been a part of his game, so that didn't really stand out. But the few times he did run – you know, he, he, no one was super impressed, but he, he looked healthy. I mean, he didn't he wasn't limping or anything like that. So I, I thought he was going to play versus the Colts. In fact, even the days leading up when everyone was asking, I, I had no idea what it was coming from. I thought it was a no-brainer. And then when Chip said he wasn't, it just kind of, I don't know if it raises the red flag again, but it brings it back to the conversation of, well, if he is really healthy and he is 100%, why aren't you putting him out there? And Chip is a guy um, – you know, he always has very good reasoning, reasons for everything, um, you know, from the smallest thing to, to, the, to, to the biggest decision. And this is kind of the first time where he didn't really have one. He said, you know, it wasn't the trainer's decision. He, you know, he said Bradford's healthy. He was just kind of like, I decided not to play him. And he didn't give a great reason for it. So it was just a weird situation where, you know, you don't want to overreact. But at the same time, why is he not playing if he's not 100%? Yeah, it's a good question. I think all Eagles fans are wondering the same thing because if he's 100% and you've got to put him out there eventually, why not start uh, with that first game? Do you guys think it has anything to do with the fact that they're going to practice throughout this week with the Baltimore Ravens and then play them on Saturday night? Maybe a little more um, you know, familiarity with the players, with their pass rush, with just going against them. I know they won't hit in the joint practices, but they will see those guys uh, in you know, kind of live action before really live action 
on Saturday night. Elliot, do you think that had anything to do with you might get to watch him against this Ravens pass rush before he goes out there in the field? Could that have played a role here? It's possible. I mean, the one thing I'll say is I've covered the last two Eagles training camps with Chip where he where teams come in. And there is a difference in terms of just the intensity of practice, the speed of practice. I mean, so Bradford, even though he can't get hit, these, this is going to be a nice you know, ease into to Saturday night for him because it, it, it's not going to be playing the same defense anymore. You know, the Ravens are out there. Obviously, you don't want to hurt anybody, but they don't know Sam Bradford. They're just out there trying to make their team, which has nothing to do with the Eagles. So I do think the reps he'll get on uh, and this week on Wednesday, Thursday, and probably a walkthrough on Friday will better set him up for Saturday. But in terms of the difference, I mean, Bradford said himself he doesn't see a difference between him playing on Sunday and him playing this Saturday against the Ravens. So if he doesn't see a difference, it's kind of hard for me to sit here and say, I do. You know, the one thing is Chip did allude to that somewhat. He didn't use it as a reason why he wasn't playing him, but he did point out when he said he's not going to play this week, we'll get him out there next week when we go against the Ravens in camp. And, and then he'll play against the Ravens. So, Joe, you, you, you may be onto something there that, uh, that that's what he wanted. Even though he didn't say it in those words, that's what he may have been um, getting at, that he did want him to play against the defense, let him see it first be, before he goes out for his first live action. The one thing I will add, too, Elliot, and you and I both noticed this last week, and uh, we, 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 we wrote about it, we did notice toward the end of last week Mark Sanchez – all of a sudden was getting a lot more work with the ones yeah. we had prior to, to that. So that kind of gave us a little bit of a tip that, hey, maybe Sanchez just might start this week. And as it turned out, he did. And also the, the thing is, I mean, if we can all take a step back and realize we've just spent the last 20 minutes talking about Bradford's health, which is something we wouldn't have done if he played against the Colts. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, w- I was walking to practice a few days ago and talking to a fan and, you know, it's talking about the season and, you know, the defense has looked better. The receivers looked really good yesterday. I thought the depth at certain positions, like outside linebacker and safety, looked really good yesterday. You know, Sanchez didn't play great, but it, it all comes back to the quarterback. And, the, the, you know, even though there was definitely some positives to take from yes from the game against the Colts, and we'll, we'll get into that, it was almost hard to take anything from it on the flip side because Bradford's not playing. And until Bradford's out there and you see him, you really have no idea how this season is going to turn out. You don't, no. I mean, he is the key to it. And if you if you just expound on the players that weren't out there, we know Zach Ertz is going to be gone probably until the opener uh, with his core muscle injury. I think, Elliot, you said it was a, uh, a groin. Uh, so, I mean, it's obviously an issue for him, and he's going to be out a little while. That's, so a, big, that's a big deal. I mean, yeah, it is. Ball of training camp. I know he's been on the team for two years, so this isn't exactly, you know, Josh Huff missing training camp last year. But this is a guy who worked super hard all offseason. Now he's going to miss all of training camp. He might – I wouldn't say it's a lock for him to play week one. So you're not talking about a guy missing four. four he'll be listed on the injury re- report for sure. Oh, yeah, he'll be on the injury report. I think they'll keep four tight ends because of it. But Ertz is a big part of what they do. With As much as Bradford likes to check the ball down, I mean, Ertz was going to get a ton of targets. So, I, you know, Selleck is still a good tight end, but Ertz, he's not the pass catcher, I don't think, at least, that, that Ertz is. So that's a big deal that he's out. And it's a groin injury. And through my years of covering – the game and guys getting hurt, groin injuries tend to linger. I mean, he doesn't want to come back too soon. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't push him just to play in that opener against the, the Falcons because it's the opener because he can come back and play in that, re-injure that and miss another month. And you know that's the last thing that that you need going going into the season. 
It's true. And if you think about it, I mean, so we talked about Bradford not playing. Ertz is obviously injured. He couldn't play. Murray didn't play in the game. And also Kiko Alonso recovering from the concussion. I mean, you can make a case as well as, as the game went for the Eagles in their 36-10 win against the Colts. They didn't walk out with any major injuries from Sunday's game. You know, four of their top, I don't know, 10 or 12 players possibly for this season didn't even participate. So as excited as some of the aspects were, and we'll get into all of them in a minute here, you know, those four players we didn't get a chance to see. And to me, Elliot, the DeMarco Murray thing is just very strange still uh, as he's been practicing sparingly and then he's not out there for that first preseason game. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know if it's as strange as it used to be just because at this point I do think I'm starting to believe the coaches and Murray when they say they're just resting them. But, again, it's like it's like with Bradford. I mean, maybe Bradford will be okay and everything will work out. But it's with Murray, I mean, you know, when Chip signed him, they said they weren't concerned about the amount of touches he got last season. And now he's not taking part after three or four months off. I mean, I'm sure he was working out. But after three or four months off, he's not – he's taking some first-team reps and not others. So it's just, you know, like you said, yesterday there were a ton of positives, but – two or three really big pieces of this team have such mystery over them and don't have a ton of you know positive things going on right now. Obviously, that's a concern. I was more concerned about Murray until I talked to some people and they brought up to me things I've seen in the past and they used to call him like little camp vacation. Again, camp was – I'm going back to like the Troy Vincent, Brian Dawkins era. Um you know, Donovan McNabb obviously are. But there were guys then, Troy and Brian, two of them, that would get some days off as the, you know, as the years went on. And, uh, again, camp was different then. They they did a lot more. They, were, they went twice a day. Um, but the guy, a lot of veterans would, would get a little break. They would say they're nursing a hamstring even though they were fine. Um, but, you know, so I don't – my problem with Murray is, you know, Guys like Troy Vincent, Brian Dawkins kind of earned that right because they had, you know, been to multiple Pro Bowls as Eagles. The new guy in town, yes, he, he had a great year last year, but he had a great year for somebody else. So new guy in town, if you're just trying to be – I guess he's not trying to win the popularity contest. He's trying to, you know, help the Eagles get to the playoffs. But he's not – I mean – Culture, culture. <laughs> the culture beats scheme, I know. Uh, but he, you know, he's not. I don't think he's made a lot of friends on the team by not practicing. That's all I'm gonna say. But is this his call? I, I guess that's where, to me, it's interesting. I mean, if it's a plan by the coaching staff and planned by Kelly and and maybe their their trainers to say, you know, maybe it's better to back off this guy early so we could have him fresh all year. Is this his call? Because that first day, I remember of training camp when they didn't want to put him out there, the hydration test and all that. He seemed disappointed and eager to practice. So. Whose call is this that he's really not practicing or obviously playing in this first game? I, w I would imagine it's the team's call and Murray's not fighting him too hard on it. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, he, he has such a ton it, and he said himself uh, a, few day, a, a few practices ago, guys on the team that have a lot of football in them, you know, they, they need this rest. Now the weird part is, you know, not, no one else is really getting a ton of time off. I mean, D D'Amico Ryan's is, but he's nursing an Achilles injury. So, you know, it's just – it, it, it kind of has the feeling of, you know, they, they signed DeMarco Murray and everyone's excited about it. It seems like this is going to be a really big impact on the team, and it very well still could. But it just isn't getting off to a great start, I think, is now the best way to characterize it after one preseason game and two weeks in. It's just It doesn't have that feeling of this is going to have a big impact on the team anymore. 
You know what? I'm 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 kind of agreeing with this, and I think like this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm gonna let you do all the writing. I'm gonna take some time off. There you go. All right, sounds I'm good. Older guy, I need to rest, like me and Demarco. I'll, yeah. I'll, just, I'll tell you what. I'll only write the days that Demarco practices. How's that? <laughs> that works out. And I'll, I'll say I wouldn't that uh that whole incident earlier earlier last week where Malcolm Jenkins pulled the chair out for Demarco Murray. That wasn't a small thing. I mean, that was Malcolm Jenkins, who's probably at this point the vocal leader of the team, kind of sending a message to the new guy, like, all right, get out here and practice. And to, for him to do it in front of the entire team, the media, the coaches, and the fans, I mean, knowing what little I know of DeMarco Murray through my few interactions with him, I don't think that probably sat super well with him. Yeah, I can imagine that too. He seems like a guy that takes himself and, and the game pretty seriously. So that, yeah, I thought the same thing, Elliot. It was interesting. And, and the way that Malcolm Jenkins, you know, kind of gave you guys a quote afterwards. He's, didn't he say something like, some people out here aren't practicing? You know, he, didn't use it, he didn't use his name, but we all knew who he was referring to. Well, he said he, said he did it to other teammates, but I didn't see him do it. I mean, you know, and then Chip talked about it and said, you know, Jenkins was just, you know, joking around. But, so, you know, it's like one of the, it's like what they say, every joke has a little bit of truth in it. And I think there was definitely a little bit of a message there, uh, you know, get out here and practice. Here's the bottom line, though, guys. Right now, the players are looking at DeMarco as being a little bit of a prima donna, a little bit of a spoiled child, so to speak. When he, you know, if opening night against the Falcons, he runs for 130 yards and two touchdowns, he can be he'll he'll be their favorite player again. Yep, that's what it comes down to. Perform. It's always what it comes down to. That's always how it works. And uh, with Murray, they certainly paid him that way. All right, let's get into a little bit about the game against the Colts. Who performed well? Who, who opened your eyes? Let's start with the first round pick. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had a nice day, three catches, but obviously the one catch. Uh, near the sideline, the high throw for Mark Sanchez in the first quarter of that game, snatches it out of the air, takes it, basically goes from, you know, flat-footed when he hits the ground to, you know, top speed very quickly, runs past the corner into the end zone. And, I, I mean, to me, he got that fan base very, very excited. He got Eagles fans very excited because, I mean, this is a guy that you knew about, but even if you're an Eagle fan who didn't watch much college football, you probably hadn't seen too much of him in a live game action. You saw it on Sunday – uh, there's clearly a lot of talent there, and he put it on display in that play and a few others. I'll let uh, I'll let Mark drool, drool over Aguilar for a little. Bit. <laughs> I got I only got four I got four words to say about, about Nelson Aguilar, rookie of the year. I said it when they drafted him. I'm not changing my mind. The kid's going to be a star. There's, he's got star written all over him. He might not be as good as Amari Cooper, the other wide receiver to come out of this draft. Uh, he probably isn't as good, but Amari Cooper's in Oakland. So we'll probably never hear from him again. Um, Nelson Aguilar is going to be a star. There's no doubt in my mind. That was, you know, I, I I was touting him all prior to the draft. Elliot, you wrote the story actually saying that why the Eagles should should take him. Um, I was on. I mean, it was funny when when the Eagles took him and I I had that pick right. I said this is the first time I've gotten the Eagles pick right since Donovan McNabb. And then I paused and I said, it might be the first time they've gotten it right too. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that catch he made in the play after was probably he's probably the only receiver on the team that makes that in terms of catch radius, speed, and all that. So, I mean, you know, plenty of reason to be excited about him. There is, and he put on you know obviously a little show there uh, in the first quarter for Eagles fans. So you got a good showing out of the first round pick, and then the second round pick, Eric Rowe, uh, he made a play. And I think if you're a defensive back on the Eagles compared to what we saw last year. It doesn't have to be perfect, but he showed right away 
he has the ability to make a play, uh, knocking the ball out of Dorsett's hand, causing the fumble. And just that, I think just the sight of an Eagles defensive back making a play, causing a turnover, that got people interested and excited about this kid, Mark. Yeah, I, I, again, a guy that they really liked. They moved up in the second round to, to get him. Um, and what, what I liked about that play was he got beat on the play. You know, the guy beat him on the reception, and he didn't give up, and he, and he followed it down. And then, he, like you said, he made a great hit, forced a fumble. Watching that play, though, again and again, Shows me why I think he's a safety and not a corner. I really and I, the Eagles are the Eagles insist that he's a corner. And that's where they're going to play him. I still like him more at safety, and I I, I think of, I still think down the road he's going to be a very good safety in this league. What impressed me about him was yesterday, obviously the forced fumble. But when when I rewatched the game, there just weren't very many times where he looked lost out there. He was around the ball. He you know he seemed like he knew what he was doing. Even on special teams, you know there was a few times where. He was close to making a play and was always around the ball. And that's kind of what you want to see because last year with Marcus Smith, you know, obviously their first-round pick, he just didn't even know like he knew what he remotely was doing at any time. I mean, at least Rowe, it doesn't seem like the game is too fast for him already, and that's a, that's a really good sign in his first preseason game. Well, he's a smart kid, I think, yeah. Rose. I mean, he's that's, – again, that's – I, I mean, I, I know what Chip says, that, you know, corners are harder to find if you can get a good corner. But again, like like you said, he's around the ball. He's the kind of guy I'd love to see him playing like a center field type and and making. I think he'd make a ton of plays playing as a playing as a deep safety. But again, if they feel they need him more a corner, he's going to be a good player either way. Well, they already have the new Brian Dawkins with Ed Reynolds. So at this point, really, <laughs> Brian Dawkins was there yesterday. Yeah, he was, yeah, and he, he saw the next one out on the field. So. <laughs> that might actually have been Brian Dawkins in an Ed Reynolds jersey <laughs> on the field. I mean, he made some nice plays. We haven't heard much about him. I mean, I haven't seen until, you know, until after the game, you guys write much about him or anyone really talk much about him during this camp. Did this come out of nowhere, Reynolds making – I mean, he made really nice plays too, jumping those two routes and, and making the pick on the football. Did Reynolds show anything like this in practice recently, Elliot, or was this really out of nowhere when the game happened? Oh, my God, no. I mean, he was like the biggest joke on the team to me. I mean, I didn't think there was any way he was going to make it. He was, uh, you know, last year. And I think, honestly, now that, you know, I actually got a chance to see him make some plays and you look at it in a larger picture, I mean, he just never really stood out at all. And Mark had a good piece about it today, about how uh, last year he just didn't feel comfortable with the coaches, with, uh, with Lovett, who's since been fired, and now Corey Unglund's in there, and he says he feels much comfortable and much more comfortable. And you could kind of see that yesterday. I mean, he had the two interceptions. The first one, you know, not a great throw by uh, Bennett, the uh, Colts quarterback. But the second one, he made a great read on the ball. He broke on it. And to me, that's, that was what was really impressive because that just shows he, he, he's smart. You know, there's a ton of – I mean, Marcus Smith is a perfect example. He might be the best athlete on the Eagles defense, but he, he hasn't been able to get the mental part down. And it seems like Reynolds is starting to get that down by making that type of read and uh, being able to get over there. That being said, I still don't think he's going to make the team because – the Eagles' safety position is not great. I think Przinsky gets that final spot. But Reynolds, I think, could win it at this point. And if you would ask me a few days ago if Reynolds had a shot of making the team, I would have told you I had a better shot of making the team than uh, Reynolds did. Well, you still might, Elliot, if you win that kicking contest this yeah, week. Exactly. Struggles again. Yeah, I'm not counting you out yet. Um, <laughs> Reynolds is a guy, when they drafted him last year in the fifth round out of Stanford, I thought it was a pretty nice pick. Um, most people had him going a little higher than that, and they, they got him in the fifth round. Um, 
I thought he would make the team last year, to be honest. If, if, we, if we were doing this a year ago, I would have said, yeah, I think Ed Reynolds makes the team as a backup safety. Um, he didn't, but like Elliot said, he did nothing last year. Uh, he, he said it himself. He was, he was kind of lost, wasn't comfortable. Another, a little bit of another indictment of, of John Lovett and Todd Light last year's defensive back coaches, and they're the reason why they're no longer here. Um, I don't think they were capable of taking a young college play, you know, kid coming out of college and making him better. I mean, he's, he raved again about Corey, you know, we're, we're so technique sound was the words that he used. Now, I mean, those, you know, kids need that teaching. It's a different game from you. Even though, even though you played in a high level conference in the PAC 12 and saw some good quarterbacks and stuff, it's, it's just, it's a different life. And, you know, he's adjusting to it and he got a big break. Let's be honest. He got a huge break last week in the fact that uh, Earl Wolf is out again with a knee injury. Jerome Coupling is out with an yeah. appendectomy. So he got to play with the second unit. When when they took out Malcolm Jenkins and Walter Thurman, him and Maragos went in. If Wolf and or Coupling are healthy, he's not in yet. He's not he's not going in with that next group. He's he's waiting he's going in near the end of the game. So he see they, they gave him an opportunity and he seized the moment and really put on a good show. Now they have to play him a little more. Maybe he's gonna be the guy they thought he was when they drafted him last year and you know it, he he opened eyes. Let's let's put it that way. I mean, and yeah, not not to step in, and I agree with everything Mark just said, but not step in and be a buzzkill. But the fact that we're even talking about Ed Reynolds as a potential contributor on this team just shows how bad this team's safety depth chart is. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is you know, Ed Reynolds played well, and maybe he'll maybe he makes the team, but this entire secondary kind of almost hinges on the play of Walter Thurman. If he he can go out there and play well, that, that'll matter. But if it ever gets to the point where Ed Reynolds is out there playing against a starting caliber quarterback, I mean, this team is in trouble. I, 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 I mean, from a pedigree standpoint, I mean, like I said, Ed Reynolds, he went to a, a, a big-time school, played in a big-time conference. He was a draft pick. I mean, he's Jerome Coupling, he's, the, he's the, the, the fraud of the bunch. I mean, he went to William & Mary. Yeah, I mean, William's not bad, but Mary, come on. And, and then, also it, sat it on the practice squad all last year. And you know, the line, right. I mean, that's him making the team would have been like, then you're bad. And Reynolds was, you know, coming out of college was considered a good, you know, decent player. It just, he was being coached by a guy that couldn't coach. Yeah. No, it's true. I, I it, it just, it always reminds me of preseason where you see these guys make huge plays and you're know, like, oh, the Eagles are going to win an extra game. But <laughs> ideally, none of these guys that contributed yesterday ever actually have to see the field for this team. Uh, one that might and, and probably will have to see the field just because of the fact that he's, you know, where he is on the depth chart because of the injuries they've had and, and maybe just a lack of depth they assembled to begin with. But that'd be Marcus Smith, who last year, um, to put it bluntly, I mean, he was just a, a complete non-factor and just a complete waste of a first-round pick in the moment. Now, well... I mean, he might have to play a decent amount if he is, in fact, the third outside linebacker. Last year, what, Brandon Graham played over 40% of the snaps. If he's in that role this year, they need something out of Marcus Smith. What did you guys see yesterday? I mean, I saw a pulse out of him, which, you know, that's more than we saw last year. Well, what was funny is after the game, he's sitting at his locker, and I've never seen such confidence from him, you know, really ever. I mean, there was, you know, maybe – 15, 20 reporters around him. He's talking about how he's excited to get out there and hit somebody and how he just felt so much better being out there making plays. And when he was talking at the time, I agreed with him because when I watched the game live yesterday, you know, he got in there with the first-team offense for three plays. And on the three plays, he made – he got in on a tackle for a run. He was in coverage, and, you know, the pass was incomplete. 
and he almost got the quarterback. So I thought he actually, watching it live, played pretty well. When I went back and watched the tape, um, you know, today, I there was still a lot of moments where, to me, he was making big mental errors. I mean, there was, you know, one time where it was a fake handoff, and he just completely bit on it to the point where I, don't, I still don't think he figured out that the quarterback has the ball. I mean, and there was just, you know, times he didn't get off his blocks. And what I what I also saw was a lot of times where he was close to making a play, didn't get there completely. So for him being the type of athlete he is, he should be able to, to be able to finish, you know, to get there and and, uh, and you know, complete these plays. So he did show some signs of life, but overall, I, I you know, the more I think about it, I don't think he had the type of impact performance that he he was kind of feeling he did after the game. No, I agree 100%. He. <laughs> Showing a pulse was a great way to put it because last year he didn't have a play. He, he was dead. He, he, was, he was one of the worst players I'd, I'd ever seen. Um, he did nothing. He did absolutely, and there was a reason. And he, he, I mean, he didn't play. A backup linebacker with that athletic ability to not be able to run down and cover kickoffs and punts was just an embarrassment. That was just embarrassing last year. He wasn't a, this year, opening kick, he was on the kickoff team. That's a good sign. Um, you know, I didn't have him making the team. On, all, on my last few, when I did the 53-man roster, I didn't have him on a team. I'm doing one for tomorrow. I haven't done it yet. I, I'm still not 100%. I mean, I guess he's going to make it by default, but I'm telling you, the guy still has a long way to go to be to be what I consider a good football, a good NFL outside linebacker. And that he does. I mean, look, the, the rest of this preseason is going to be about that to see if he can, you know, build on showing a pulse and maybe show a little bit more and give the Eagles a reason uh, to bring him along and keep him after being a first-round pick. I mean, if he last... wasn't a first-round pick, if he was, if he was their sixth-round pick, he might have got cut last year. Even. I yeah, mean, that, but... then it's a different conversation. I agree. He's not even around, right? I mean, and I, and and I don't know. And you know, this would be this if if they were to get rid of him, this would be one last, you know, take that, Howie. From from Chip Kelly. true. That would be that would be an ultimate. You know, Howie had no idea what he's doing. I couldn't even keep this kid uh, when we have no depth of the position. Guys, I want to ask you about the offensive line, which we talked a lot last week, and you know, this would be the first chance to see that right guard battle. Gardner really seems to be the guy that's getting you know the majority here of the of the snaps. He was the starter on on Sunday against the Colts. Did you see enough, Elliot, at a Gardner that says he's, you know, solidifying this, or is this thing still wide open after one game? I, I think it's wide open, and I'll I'll uh, point to what Chip Kelly said after the game, where he didn't exactly give a, a glowing review of Gardner. And to me, the reason I think John Moffitt's going to be the starting right guard on this team is because he he's only been with the team for two weeks in terms of actual practice, and he's already he came in yesterday with the num- with the second team you know, ahead of guys like Tobin and Vander and Vandervelli who have been here for two years. So Moffitt's already jumped them. Garner didn't play very well. I think they want Moffitt to start. In an ideal world, I think that's the guy they want. And I, I think yesterday they had Gardner in there just because he started seven games last year. But I would not be surprised at all if against the Ravens, Moffitt was the guy. And if he plays well, he'll be the guy against the Packers, and then he won't play against the Jets because he'll have the, game, the uh, job locked up. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Elliot. I, I think Moffitt is going to be the guy. I thought that all along. As long as he can, as long as he was a healthy and b had his head on straight, he's by far. I mean, again, going back to pedigree, you know, he was a, this guy was a third round pick out of out of Wisconsin. You know, Big Ten. Um, Wisconsin has turned out several NFL offensive linemen through the years. Um, you know, he started nine games as a rookie for for a decent Seattle team. 
So he, you know, he's done it. He's been out there. He he's shown that he can play in in the NFL. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I think eventually he'll. Well, Chip did say we're going to rotate. Um, like I think everybody everybody's going to going to get a chance with the first team. So, uh, like you said, if Moffitt gets, and I, I don't think Gardner played. Poor, I don't think Gardner. I can't pick a play where I say, oh my God, Gardner messed that play up. They got to get him out of there. But I think in a perfect world, they would like Andrew Gardner because he can play guard and tackle and both sides to be what Alan Barber was supposed to be last year, like the, that that sixth man to you know to be up on game day and then, and if anybody were to get nicked or, or you know have to miss miss some time, he would be the guy that goes in, um, and and that's a valuable role. But I think they do want Moffitt to win that right guard spot. If there was one thing yesterday in that game on Sunday, the Eagles and the Colts, if there's one thing on Sunday that was a negative, or at least something to, to kind of raise our eyebrow with, it was the fact that Cody Parkey, after us not talking about him all offseason, just picked probably the first game of the preseason to have a random bad day. That seemed to be uh, the way Chip Kelly characterized it. Here's Chip Kelly after the game talking about Parkey when you guys had asked him uh, about maybe bringing in competition for Parkey the rest of the preseason. Here's Chip Kelly. I mean, he was an all-Pro Bowl kicker last year. He missed, uh, in his first exhibition game, he missed uh, an extra point in a field goal. So he's hit three from 42. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put the panic button right now. So. I mean, let's not go crazy now. He's a pretty good kicker. So, yeah, he's a Pro Bowl. I've seen Pro Bowlers miss kicks. I've seen Adam. Adam's a, a Hall of Fame kicker. I've seen him miss kicks before, too. So let's let's just not hit the panic button on Cody right now. I mean, we're in a first preseason game. So off of that, guys, off of what Chip said there, I mean, is, do you guys are you guys concerned at all after one tough day for Cody Parkey? I mean, he was so good last year as a rookie. Goes out there, the new longer point after attempt, missed the field goal. Any concern here, or do we have to wait another game, uh, maybe this week against the Ravens? If he doesn't play well again, then is there concern? Elliot, what about Parkey? You know, Mark might be able to speak better on this just because he's covered the NFL longer than I have. But what to me, the only reason I'm like even – on the scale of concern is because I saw Alex Henry just completely collapse in a very short span. So I don't think Cody Parkey's going to do that, but kickers, it's, it's so mental. And so, I mean, if he, if he goes out there against the Ravens and, you know, misses another one, maybe all of a sudden this extra point thing gets, gets in his head. And he had a very good year last year. So there, you know, there's not a ton of reason to be concerned off of his, his resume or his brief resume, but, just with kickers, you never know. So I think it's definitely something worth monitoring going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, my thing is I would have had another kicker in here just for the heck of it. They have another punter in here. I mean, he's not making the team, but he's here. And, maybe I mean, you can overkick. Yeah. I mean, Parkey takes every kick every day in practice. And you, you could say, well, that, well, that's a good thing. He's getting a lot of work in. But maybe you're overkicking. It wouldn't have killed the Eagles instead of having – one of those bad offensive linemen that we saw in the fourth quarter here. Instead well, of having them on the roster, have another kicker. I mean, there's millions of them out there. Have another guy here. Call a competition if you want. They're calling the punting thing competition. It really isn't. You know, have him here. Keep Parky a little sharp and, and maybe not overwork him as much. Now, there's a guy I know that's a pretty good kicker that's going to get a chance to maybe maybe chip out to watch that guy this this week in the, in, in the media contest. Hyphen leg. You got it. <laughs> Are you ready to make that jump, Elliot, from the media right to the field? Yeah, I think so. I think I've, I've been around Chip enough, so, uh, you know. I'm your agent, Elliot. All right. The question really is, can you fit in? I mean, can you fit into the, the culture that he's established there? Well, I'm white, so, you know. <laughs> I already got that down. 
You have that. That's one thing that no one can dispute. You have that down. I have to say, though, I, I don't know if Chip Kelly would like um, your Twitter game too much. I feel like he'd tell you to tone that down. It might be awkward between me and Bradford in the locker room. I think it definitely would be awkward. Again, if you perform, if you make the kicks, they'll love you. Yeah, that's true. That is what matters. All right, uh, we have a few Twitter questions, uh, and then we will wrap up Episode 3 of the No Huddle Show. First one came in uh, from Big Chief, and he wanted to know, does Kenyon Barner make the team? He had a pretty nice day, first preseason game, with the punt return uh, and some nice plays out of the backfield as well. Barner, I mean, it's a loaded backfield with three really high-profile backs. Does he have a chance here as the fourth guy? I put him on my 53 just because, not because of what he did as a running back, but because I think he contributes to special teams, and Chip has shown he will do some weird roster things when it comes to backups if it means they're going to be a special team contributor. So I think he makes it, and also he, he, he gives Sproles some extra rest by not having him do punt returns. Where do you go to college? <laughs> oh, yeah, Oregon. That don't hurt him. That's not going to hurt his chances. Uh, I think if Zach Ertz was healthy, or if they knew Zach Hurts was going to be healthy from, from day one of the season, I think Barner would, would be not a lock, but a very good bet. Because you can keep four running backs and only keep three tight ends, as opposed to last year when they kept three running backs and four tight ends. With Ertz being, being iffy, they may have to keep the fourth tight end. And I don't know if like, – I mean, I, I, I'm doing mine later today, so I'll, I'll try to figure I don't know if there's room for four tight ends – and four running backs, you would have to go light somewhere else. I mean, Barner, Kip did say we're going to keep the best 53, regardless of position. I don't think there's 53 players on this team better than, than Kenyon Barner. Um, it's just a matter of are the numbers going to work out for him. At Mike Hirsch wants to know about the depth on this team. Chip Kelly has talked about it pretty much since he took over, uh, which is probably a little pat on the back for himself. But he keeps saying this is the deepest team that they've had since he's been here in three years. It certainly looked like that as the game went on. I mean, the Eagles' twos and threes really beat up on the Colts' twos and threes, and there's going to be some tough roster decisions, as you both were just speaking to. Is this the deepest team either of you have seen in the last few years under Chip Kelly? Elliot, deepest Chip Kelly team is this one? Yeah, I think so, for sure. And I, I said that back in OTAs. You just stand out there in the practice field and you see – there's how much more talent on the team. I mean, you look at the inside linebacker position, the receivers, the running backs, the quarterbacks. Now, the problem is the safety is, is, is an issue in the offensive line. Those are, those are two huge concerns. But I think it's definitely the deepest team Chip's had since he's got here. Yeah, it's deepest everywhere, but the offensive line is, is may, might be the thinnest, though, I've seen yeah. in years. I yeah. mean, they don't have five good ones, never mind backups. I mean – that fifth spot, we know. Maybe I mean, really, to be perfectly honest, we're we're all putting Alan Barber like he's like you know some all pro. He's he hasn't played played one game in how in how many years? And he's not a kid, right? Barber's what thirty oh, years old? Yeah, he's been around. Um, and then he again, he might be fine. I always I always tell Elliot this all the time. Playing left guard on this team is not the hardest job in the world. You got a Hall of Famer at left tackle next to you, and Jason Peters, and one of the best centers in the game today. Jason Kelsey next to you. So if you just don't do not do anything stupid, you're going to look okay. I mean, so it's not the hardest job. But, yeah, that might, getting back to the depth question, yeah, they're, they're deep at running back. They're deep at wide receiver. They're, they're pretty deep at tight end. Uh, defensively, the line is deep. The linebackers, inside linebackers are deep. Outside, not, not so much. Uh, but the offensive line depth, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, there's, if there aren't two offensive linemen somewhere else in that, as we speak, 
that will be on the Eagles come opening day because when cuts come, there will probably be an alignment cut by the Green Bay Packers or the Seattle Seahawks or the New England Patriots that are better than what the Eagles have as their backups, and they'll claim that guy and get, get rid of whoever. All right, so we'll wrap with this one. Uh, at Chally Rice underscore 72 chimed in and asked, chances Rashid Bailey, the local kid, Delaware Valley College, makes the team. Had a nice catch, but, I mean, to me, just as you guys talking about the depth in this team, he's a, he has a, you know, a pretty big hill to climb considering all the good receivers on this team, how deep receivers. Any chances for Bailey here, Elliot? No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're going to keep they're going to keep the six receivers they're going to keep, which is the three young guys: Cooper, Miles Austin, and uh, the guy from San Diego. So Bailey could be on the practice squad, but I I don't think he has almost any chance, barring an injury, of, of making the team. Yeah, I think he definitely is practice squad material. Uh, maybe he gets lucky if he keeps playing great in preseason when they cut him and try to get him to the practice squad. You know, the Jacksonville Jaguars claim him, or the Tennessee Titans claim him. I don't know. I mean. That would be great for for him, um, but I think I think the the long term um, plans are to put him on the practice squad this year. And you know, how long is Miles Austin here for? He only signed a one year deal. Um, Riley Cooper, how much longer is we don't know. So I mean, put Bailey on the practice. A lot of guys have been have started started their careers on the practice squads and gone on to have nice NFLs. You know, played five six years in the, in the NFL. So I could see Bailey being on the practice squad this year and then. You know, get keep getting better. You know, he's coming out of talk, talk about you know no no pedigree. He's coming out of a Division three school, right, Del Val? Yep. I mean, he, that, that's a real big jump to the NFL. He needs a year on the on the practice squad to really learn the NFL game. When when Bailey's holding that Super Bowl MVP trophy down Broad Street, we'll know we heard it here first. <laughs> that's right, right here on the No Huddle Shows. This has been episode three. Everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure to download and subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter and ask questions anytime you want. We'll get to them in the next episode. At Elliot Shore Parks, at Mark Echo 08, at Joe Gilio Sports. Uh, this has been episode three, guys. We've got joint practice this week against the Ravens. Uh, one preseason game in the books. And by the next time we do this, by the time we record episode four, we'll actually, hopefully, you would think, be able to talk about Sam Bradford on the field. So that should be fun. Yep. Looking forward to it. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. This has been episode three of the No Huddle Show on NJ.com.